Ashley is a grief expert with a master's in science with an emphasis in grief and bereavement. She has a massive online community of women where she creates resources to help them get through tough times. She is a three times best-selling author, and she's been featured on Health.com, Entrepreneur, Cafe Mom, and the New York Post. She spearheads the Shine Project, where she creates change and ignites hope. She has a top 100 podcast. Ashley, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Ashley, I'm so excited to have you here in my safe space. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honestly so honored to be here. Have you ever been in a safe before? I haven't. (laughs) And I don't know why I didn't know that I was about to enter one, but this is the coolest thing that I've ever done. Well, you know, it's very not therapeutic to walk into a space like this because it can feel like claustrophobic, right? You know, that's interesting because I usually get claustrophobic, but I think that this feels so unique and different (laughs) that I was like, let me enter. This is great. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you for coming because we know that you have a podcast that you've held for years that you recently just relaunched and it's helped so many people. So tell us about yourself. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. I am an author, entrepreneur, online thought leader, and I have a podcast called Healing Her. I have my master's in science, in mental health and wellness, and specifically grief and bereavement. So All the projects that I'm really passionate about is helping people figure out the words behind their feelings and then helping them be able to move forward in their grief and talk about things that might feel tricky to talk about a lot of the time. I mean, we always need spaces for grief because a lot of people get really uncomfortable when you're talking about grief. They feel like, well, they don't know what to say, so then they don't say anything at all. Yes. And having communities where grief is something that you talk openly about is so essential. I also think a lot of people avoid their own grief. And so then when we hear other people talking about theirs, it can arise certain feelings in us that we want to press back down. And so grief, for so many reasons, has been a taboo topic with so many other mental health conversations, right, for so long. But the thing is, is that every single one of us goes through grief. And so if we can create more spaces where we feel safe to talk about it, and not feel shame, or not feel like we should be moved on by now, then it just brings more healing for all of us. I love that you said that because there are different types of grief. I think when people hear the word grief, they think automatically someone died, right? But we know that there are different types of grief, like relationship grief when you lose a loved one that you broke up with, or like a friendship that broke up, or even a a healthy relationship with a family member who's toxic that you just had to step away from. What are the other types of grief that you've seen in your community? There are so many different types of grief. It can be grief of job loss. It can be even if you're in a happy season because you've entered motherhood and you're in postpartum and you grieve the life you had before because you're not the same anymore, even though you're grateful and excited for the life you have now. I think a conversation also that's important to have right now is the grief of our post-pandemic life. And I know we're so sick of talking about the pandemic, but truly nothing is the same anymore. And we're all trying to fit into our old lives that aren't the same. And there's a layer of grief that comes from that. There's grief of lost dreams, or maybe you're in a place right now in your life that you thought would be different, but you don't have control over the situation and so you grieve what you wished it was 
there's so many different layers that actually have nothing to do with death. Of course, we know that death brings a lot of grief. And to anyone who's listening who has felt that or is going through that, I want to honor that for you because grief through death is so hard to go through. And there are so many other ways that grief enters our lives as well. You know, this safe is in a research lab. And one of the things that I've noticed over the pandemic, and thank you for bringing that up, is that we are told to move on. We're told that this happened between 2020 and 2021. Get over it. Move on. And I think it's some people's way of not acknowledging something painful, but many of us feel like things don't feel the same. Things are forever changed. And I'm just waiting for there to be some type of monument on like, you know, like, you know, how we have like Veterans Day and 9-11 and so forth. We need one for the pandemic because many of us don't feel the same and we shouldn't. And we need to acknowledge that. One of the things that you brought up was validating your grief experience. So tell us about that as being the first step to your grieving process and healing. Yes. Oh, I love that you just brought that up because there's one thing that most humans don't do throughout their entire life that hurts us more than anything else. And that is not acknowledging our grief. In grief, what we know is the first step that we need towards healing is to acknowledge or validate what we've gone through. Until we've done that, it's really hard to find the tools and support that we need to move forward. It's really hard to put words to how we're feeling because the opposite of validating is doing things like numbing ourselves, uh, working more. For me, my big thing during my grief was to try to work and run away as fast as I could to avoid. So if we're not acknowledging we're avoiding and when we enter the space of avoidance it becomes really easy to lose ourselves grief unexpressed shows up in some place and i know from what grief has told us in research and my own personal experience is that we have to give ourselves safe spaces to allow it to come out so it doesn't come out in other ways so then the question is well what does acknowledgement look like? How do we acknowledge our grief, right? Because I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to feel this way, but we have to understand what it is that we are feeling. And maybe we're reacting really strongly to someone or a situation, but under that reaction is a layer of grief that we haven't dealt with. Being able to get to a place in our life where we can check in with our emotions and validate that we've gone through something really hard can actually open up a really beautiful path forward. And it's easier said than done, right? Because you could be like, well, that sounds easy. I'm just going to acknowledge that I don't (laughs) feel good. But we haven't been taught to do that. And we haven't been told it's okay to do that. We've been told to move on. We've been told to get over it. We've been told to suck it up. Those are messages that we have heard all growing up, most of us at least. And so then society as a whole, when we enter into a hard season, it's hard when we're not being validated by other people to somehow figure out how to validate ourselves. Well, as humans, our brains become so overwhelmed when we don't know what we're dealing with. Yes. Being confused and not being able to name something makes us panic. It's like it's like if you were to walk into the safe with the lights off and you heard a noise, you'd be like swinging in all directions. Like, panic. where is it? <laughs> but the moment the light's on and you see what you're dealing with, you know how to react. I was looking through my daughter's things from kindergarten 
And they spend a lot of time showing kids how to identify feelings. You see the different faces like, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm angry. But it's because as humans, if we don't understand how we're feeling, then we do things we don't understand. For example, like you said, overworking. In my research with the high-functioning depression, I see this a lot. Unprocessed trauma, unprocessed emotions leads people to all types of addictions. It could be self-medicating with alcohol or overworking, right? So we have to really spend time understanding how we feel and acknowledging it and validating our grief or else we can't really do anything about it, at least nothing well-informed, right? Because we don't know how to really identify it. We don't know how to use evidence-based tools to create a strategy for it. So let's talk strategy. What are some of the things or tips that you've seen work within your grief circle in terms of tips for dealing with grief? I love this question and I want to preface this answer by saying this. Some days your grief is going to be heavier than other days because that is the natural process of grief. Some days you're not going to want to get out of bed and I'm not going to be the person to sit here and tell you to force yourself to. Sometimes you need extra rest. Sometimes pushing yourself to go to the gym isn't the best option. Sometimes waking up early that day isn't the best option. And so everything I'm going to share right now, I want you to know that part of this healing process for you is getting in tune with what it is that you need and not shooting yourself into, well, I should be doing this, but really being able to listen and say, I need rest today, or I need to take care of myself today. One thing that we know about grief is that it loves to come out of our body and be expressed in some type of way. One of the best ways that we can do that is through writing. Writing is so cathartic. And what writing does for us is it actually puts us in this place of control in a very uncontrollable situation where we feel like we lack control, where our brain is kind of able to process through memories or details of the situation in the way that we want to start remembering them. It puts us in control as kind of an author or a narrator of what's going on. And by doing that, it can help us process feelings that you might not have even known that you have had or give a place that brings your story to life so that it's not just living deep inside of you. Whether that looks like writing for five minutes a day or once a week, no one even has to read it. Or maybe that is a way that you find out you communicate your feelings better. I'm, I've been a writer since I was little. So when I went through hard things when I was little, I would go home and I would write and then I would throw my poetry under my bed because <laughs> that was my safe space. But now as I'm older, sometimes because of the grief me and my husband have personally been through, sometimes I struggle still communicating that with him, even though I know the reasons behind it, even though I know the research and all these things, I still struggle. And so sometimes I have to write things out so for myself so that then I can communicate that with him. Anyone who's listening, if you think that, okay, journaling is something I did in my adolescence, I don't have time for that, you know, I've outgrown that, try writing about something that maybe you haven't thought about in a while that was painful. And I want you to consider looking back at it, like reread it after you've written it. And I wonder if you find that there are certain things that you probably didn't know that you forgot that you remembered using this exercise. And there's a whole field called narrative therapy where you learn how to rewrite your story in a way that 
actually empowers you and helps you face some of your current challenges. You and I talked earlier about how when you become a mother, you kind of go through a griefing process because you lose a sense of who you were. Like maybe you don't do the same things that you used to. Maybe you feel as if you just don't have the brain width or the brain span or the attention span or energy to do things. And you almost, you feel like you're losing yourself. I remember after I gave birth to my daughter, I like zipped up a whole bunch of clothes and I was like, I'll never wear you again. I'll never fit you again. It was like my way of like dealing with that grief, which is silly now that I look back at it, but we all go through this, right? So tell us about some of the things that you've seen in your work with mothers who are just juggling so many things that they feel like they've lost who they are. I think that what you just said is part of the biggest things that so many women mothers deal with is who am I now? I knew, kind of knew who I was before. And now this new role and this new human has entered my life. And while I love it, I also am missing parts of me that I don't know how to reactivate or I don't know how to show up with in this season of my life that can look like maybe cutting back on work or choosing to stay home or being a working mom and then feeling guilty because you are a working mom. And no matter what we do in this season, we are struggling with trying to decide if it's the right choice a lot of the times and a lot of guilt can come with that. I also think that we lose um, this individuality that we used to have where we're not just caring for ourselves anymore. And the mental load of that can be so heavy and exhausting. And I have a therapist who I love. I've been with her for seven years. And often I'll go in and I'll just be like, why do I just feel so different at work right now? What's going on? And she's like, you are different at work right now because you're different. There is more on your plate. There's more on your mind. And something she always reminds me is that You can have everything. You just can't have everything at the same time. And so part for me of trying to figure out who am I now is being able to learn how to prioritize my life in a different way. And with that comes some grief of letting go of things from before this season that maybe they'll come back in the future, but right now it's just not a part of the season of life. And I think that's what so many women struggle with. I love that, you know, it's like the two things can be true. You are a new mother, you have new roles, and you are the same person. Things have changed doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. I think that women feel that they can't talk about this, that people feel like, well, you should be happy because you have the beautiful baby. And isn't this what you wanted? Right. But we're not really validating how it feels. And it's hard. And talking about it and normalizing it is, you don't feel so alone. You feel like there's a sense of community. And also, like, it's biological. You know, changes happen in our brain. Our hormones change after you give birth. Even in the third trimester of pregnancy, your hormones drop, so you don't feel the same way. Talking about that openly also allows people to be like, okay, it's not my fault. This is a part of life. This is typical and natural, and I know what to expect because... I know what's happening. And I think that's why we really need to talk about this openly, even with menopause, you know, like the next stage of life for women where we go through it. We don't know what we're 
experiencing is we don't know if it's if it's normal or typical we just think it's us and we internalize a lot of shame guilt and blame but if we understand that this is a change in our bodies we didn't do anything wrong this is a typical natural part of life then that really takes away the stigma and then we can actually you know utilize steps to help and support us and there's nothing better i think than the supportive community when people are talking about openly and sharing tips and helping each other yes yes and i also think there's not a lot of postpartum support. We're given all these appointments and doctors to prepare for the baby to come. And then after that, you're sent home and you're like, good luck. And (laughs) I found myself being like, I I don't even know how to breastfeed Mm -hmm. right. And all these new things that come that, like you said, when we can have communities where we can talk about it and say, do you feel like this? Because I feel like this. What did you do here? Maybe that will help me that's where we're able to find connection and then support to move forward. I know. I remember when I gave birth, they wheeled in like a TV and then played something. And I'm like, I'm not going to remember anything I see. And I'm a medical doctor. I was like, um, yeah, how are other people doing this? Because I like studied this in med school and I still can't retain all this knowledge. Thank God for the mom groups. I was on those Facebook groups and like, what did you do? And who, which lactation consultant and da, da, da. So I feel like, yes, we need our communities. And that's why online support is so powerful. There's a lot of misinformation out there, but there's also really good information and getting the support of people like you that, you know, openly talk about it and provide evidence-based support and knowledge. Whenever I have people like you here, experts, people who help others, I always ask them if they could recall a time in their lives when perhaps on the outside, things looked great and everyone thought you were just doing so well but you knew inside you were struggling and how did you get through that in 2020 my husband and I went through a late pregnancy loss because I went septic and after that was really hard for me to feel safe in my own body again and trust my body and then also just figure out how to navigate moving forward I during that time because my avoidance style is to work more than I should. I was writing one of my most recent books and I ended up launching it a few months after. It was one of the worst things that I did for my mental health. But on the outside, it looked like, you know, Ashley was on this big book promotion and and launching a book with her dream publisher and all these things. And on the inside, I felt so chaotic. I felt lifeless inside. I felt purposeless, even though I was doing something that I had always dreamed about. Um, And my internal world was not matching at all the exterior of what my life looked like. Part of that was because that's how I was coping at the time. But I also got to a point where I knew if I continued to live that way, that one day I was going to wake up having regretted how I lived my life because I wasn't in alignment with who I was and what I needed to heal to move forward in my life. So tell us where we can find your projects and where we can learn more about you and your podcast. I would love for you guys to join my community. I love my online community. You can find me at Instagram under my name, Ashley K. Lemieux. We talk a about a lot of stuff there and my podcast you can find wherever you listen to your podcast. It's called Healing Her. And then on my website, ashleylemieux.com, um, we do fun community events throughout the year where you can connect and find connection with other women who might be going through the same type of things that you are. 
Thank you. And and then please tell us about your book and where we can find that. Oh, yeah, my book. <laughs> How do I forget my book? <laughs> my most recent book, it's called I Am Here. Um, and it actually has a guided journal that supplements it called Clarity Mapping, which I guess going back to when we were talking about journaling, that would be a great place for you to start if you're like, I, I want to start expressing my feelings, but I don't know where to start. Go grab Clarity Mapping and you can get those wherever you buy your books. I love that. I love the name. <laughs> we thank love you. tips on this program. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was so fun.